I'm inviting you to the presence of the Lord today. Just lift your hands and surrender. Say, Lord, I'm here, Lord. I love you today, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you today. He's already moving amongst us in this congregation today. Let the Holy Spirit guide and lead you today. Oh, what a day to be thankful today for the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. What a day to be thankful for the love that he's shown in our hearts, shown in our lives. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And everybody shout in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am so thankful uh, that he loved me, that he died for me, that he gave himself for me. Oh, someone shout in Jesus' name. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of thanksgiving and praise today? Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, the Lord is here touching hearts. Listen, I don't want to take but just a moment of your time. Uh, while you're standing, I literally want to just take a moment. If you got a heart for the home, uh, this is a special offering that we're receiving uh, today, but also for the next 30 days. If you can't give today, but you can at a later time, that's fine. Just mark it down on the card, if you will. This is for our members, guests. If you want to participate, we're man, we're excited about that. But don't feel obligated whatsoever to our to our regular members. Please feel very obligated and feel very very moved upon by the Holy Spirit that you can help. Our expenses are way up this year, especially in our utilities. We're about $7,000 more than what we were last year at this time. They've increased our utilities, and I know that you are facing the same things. 
I'm asking for just a little bit of help. We're not going to be receiving the Revive offering this fall or this month. We're going to do that in April. So it brings a little relief. I would never come to you with this knowing that there were other things that we were trying to fund. So I'm asking you, if you're a regular member, if you're online today, you can go right online and you can give on our online giving. If you're in the building, you can do the same or you can write a check and leave it in the box back there. Or you can just uh, allow us to know by filling out this card card even however you give I'm asking that you would just fill out this card so that we kind of know how we can plan moving forward so I'm gonna shout amen so I just want to mention that a heart for the house the heart for the home and uh, let's have a heart for God's house how many are glad that we have a house of God to come to amen If you're here and you've been here for a little while and you haven't uh, began to trust God with your giving, this is a great time to start. Brother Stefan already talked about how God has blessed him in his life. I could bring up, I could bring up a bunch of people right now. I could, I, I, I could bring up a bunch of people right now that God has blessed them beyond measure, beyond measure. And uh, there's some great things. And like Brother Stefan said, this coming year, you're going to hear from those folks so that you know it's not just us preachers talking about it. It's God's word and his promise and it's true in other people's lives amen here at pine view church we don't press people for money we press people for love right someone say amen and i want you to give out of expression of love not out of obligation but if you are a member i'm expecting you to be obligated amen (laughs) oh come on you can laugh at that (laughs) someone shout amen The Lord is here in this house today, and His presence is so strong in this building. I'm 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 here on assignment, and I'm here to deliver the word of the Lord. This is the fourth part in a series of messages that I've been preaching about living. Someone shout living in the last days. I want to talk to you today. It's eleven ten. I'm going to talk to you till twelve ten, and I'll be done. I'm warning you because I have a lot to say and it's important that you hear it because we're talking about the last day. Someone say amen. amen. So I'm going to teach to you today and minister to you. I do want to mention that Brother David and his mom, what was his mom's? Sister Janice, uh, she passed away this week, this last week, and uh, they're going to be a small memorial service for her at at four o'clock today in the Founders Hall. If you, Sister Janice came, she was the little lady that was uh, so sweet and kind. And uh, she actually, my wife and I met her about five years ago. She got lost. She was staying across the street at a home and she got lost and we found her in the back of the parking lot and wandering around. And she was like, I don't know where I'm going and what I'm doing. And I'm like, well, we put her in the car and we found where she belonged. And uh, we kind of struck up a friendship from that day. And uh, since then, her son, and daughter-in-law have come and we've dedicated their baby and God has been so good. Amen. We love this family. So if you'd like to support them at four o'clock today in the Founders Hall, that would be appreciated. The Bible tells us that we are living in the last days. We are in the fourth of a four uh, of a six-part series. Um, I don't know if I'll get to all six this year, but this week we're going to be talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ with his saints. Some shout amen. amen. 
I'm going to talk about the delineation between him coming for us with the trump of God and with the voice of God and this moment where he comes and sets his foot on the Mount of Olives and destroys Satan and the enemy of our souls forever and ever and ever. Someone shout amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I believe we need clarity in this hour. I have worked very hard to speak to you in fact and not fiction, fact and not opinion, fact and not what we uh, may surmise or come about. I'm sure that I have failed in that at some moment, but I'm here to tell you that uh, we're working very hard to alleviate man's wisdom and just trust in the Lord. Someone say amen. So I hope that today you will receive that and that you will follow along with me. We need clarity, not confusion. God is not the author of confusion. We begin today, and I want us to look at what God says about the importance of his word. Someone, how many believe that the Lord's word is important? Amen? How many believe it's true? Someone should, can I get a hand wave? How many believe it's righteous? How many believe it's forever settled in heaven? How many believe it is the word of God? How many believe that that word was robed in flesh and dwelt among us? He was born in a manger. I can't get no help in this house. He was born in a manger. Ah! He died on Calvary, rose again, was resurrected, and was ascended to heaven. And we will follow in those footsteps because we are striving to be like who? Jesus. So today, we are looking at this from a very important factor, and I want to read these scriptures to you. John, in Revelation chapter 22, in verse 6, this is what John tells us about the importance of this word, this letter, this book of Revelation. It's not called Revelations, it's called Revelation. You'll find the Revelation in chapter 1, verse 1, that this uh, book was written as a revelation of who what Jesus Christ is this book is not about fear it's not about uh, flipping out and, and wondering if I'm going to ever be saved and if I'm going to miss heaven if I'm splitting hell wide open we've heard all those phrases right uh, but I'm here to tell you that this is about you learning to live and overcoming life in the midst of the last days. That we're not fearful, but we're glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That I'm not fearful, but I am looking forward to the second appearing of Jesus Christ in this last hour. So we look at this and we see in Revelation, John says, and then he said unto me, talking about God speaking to John, these words are faithful and true. Someone shout faithful and true. He's talking specifically about all the words and the visions that he had just written here in the book of Revelation. These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which much what? Shortly take place. Behold, he says, I am coming quickly. Uh, someone shout and look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is coming quickly. Blessed. Someone shout blessed. That word means I'm authorized. <laughs> I have authority. <laughs> I have something greater than just money and health. I now, by the word of God, have the authority that I can walk on serpents and they will not harm me. I'm not talking about here or this. Or I'm talking about spiritual things. So we look and see that 
he is trying to help us understand. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed are those who what? Keep the words of the prophecy of what? This book. He's talking specifically about Revelation, not the entirety of the Bible, although we should follow that and keep that as well. But this particular was written for this book. Revelation 22 and 18 says these words, For I testify, John says, to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if, hear me very closely today, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. I stand before you not as a somebody that is flippant or coy or someone that knows it all. I stand before you as a man of God trembling in my shoes when I preach in the book of Revelation. Because this is not for us to be flippant with. It's not for us to add our part or take away some part because the consequences of that are great and severe from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. First of all, I want you to denote from this passage that the Bible is not the book that it's talking about. Of course, we want to follow these guidelines for all of God's word, but in Revelation 22, it is specifically speaking about this prophecy, this book, this particular writing from John the Revelator. So we know that this book of Revelation is not to be toyed with. There's no other book in the Bible that is so specific about do not mess with these words. It's here that we learn, secondly, that the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus Christ is an absolute in the Christian faith. I'm going to say it one more time. If you don't believe Jesus is coming again, then you don't believe he ever came. Ah, if you don't believe he's coming again, you don't believe the book of Genesis. <laughs> because the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. There has to be an understanding in faith uh, that my hope is not of this world. My bank account doesn't hold any hope. Uh, my car doesn't hold any hope. Uh, my job doesn't hold any hope. Uh, there's only one uh, that I have hope in. Uh, and his name is above every name. And at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Uh, it's the name of Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who came and died and saved us. And this is the author of this book, this great God in Christ. We have to recognize that we cannot take away and add to this book. I'm going to get more into this. And faith in Christ is required for our faith in eternal life. You must have faith in Christ. You must believe. Someone shout amen. amen. How many believe you got to have faith in order to believe? Yes. 
They're kind of the same thing, aren't they? You gotta, you gotta have faith. It's not prove it to me, but he tried with Thomas. Let me look at the nail prints in my hands. Come on, touch my side. Why? Because there was a doubting Thomas. God has come to us and said, I need you to believe, not because you see, but because you feel and know and, oh, and see the signs of my works in your life. I got news for you. One day we're gonna get to see it again. <laughs> we're gonna get to see him face to face. So the doctrine of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is an absolute. It's a doctrine that cannot be bypassed. It's a doctrine that must be a part of your Christian walk in order for you to have completion in your faith. Without faith, we cannot what? Please God. John the Revelator helps our faith by telling us of the events as he sees them in this vision given here in Revelation. One of the things I want you to denote as a study for your own self at home is the fact that revelation, I've asked God, I asked him this morning, Brother Dan, I asked God, why did you just not write this in chronological order and say, this is step one, step two, step three, step four. And after step four, then these things come. Why, God? And because the Lord keeps speaking to me and saying, because uh, uh, the narrow way and the broad way, there's an understanding of revelation that if you seek him, you will find him. It's not for the casual observer. He's going to reveal to you things that you're not going to be able to see unless you're in relationship with him. So when we are in relationship with him, we will have revelation in order to understand who Jesus Christ is and how I am in his bride. Without that revelation, we grope in the dark. We find here that the events that John tells us about, we can piece them together based on all of the things that he told us. I imagine, this is my imagination, that John was seeing these visions like on video screens. I don't know. I don't think it was like this, but I'm just in my mind, you know, that they, there was a, a, a vision happening and then all of a sudden this other vision would start happening and he would write them down under the holy writ and he would allow and, and God to use him we find some uh, places, well, like last week we talked about Revelation 6 and Revelation 7 and Revelation 8, where it flows in a very um, uh, chronological way. But the entirety of Revelation and the study of uh, the end times does not always flow in the way that we would like. Man, that would be nice if it was just that way. There are mysteries that if people tell you they know what they are, run, 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 because no man knows the day nor the hour not even the sun so in this moment of our understanding we've gone through several items we've gone through several things John the revelator comes and tells us and shows us these visions and to the best of my ability as your pastor and with fear and trembling I promise I have presented these events in the order that I feel is correct now, however, there are those who might see things differently and I bless them and I love the conversation and I welcome that discussion. The discussion of the timing of these things is not a part of our salvation. Someone shout amen. amen. 
So you and I, I can believe he's coming before the rapture or I can believe the rapture is before the tribulation and you can believe it's after the tribulation and that's not the issue. The issue is do you believe there's a tribulation and do you believe he's coming again? The timing is not the issue that we need to be worried about. We're gonna have different views of time based on the society we live on, the country we live in, I'm going to tell you, the Christian, in, the Christian that's in Kazakhstan does not see the world through an American lens. The last time I checked, Jesus died for the whole world. So it's, you know I'm, I jump up and down on this every once in a while, that we cannot live for God through an American lens. Jesus was not born in New Jersey. He was born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger, and we're going to celebrate that in a few weeks. So I'm going to shout amen. So we got to be very careful about how we see things through the filters that we were born with. Someone say amen. amen. So to the best of my ability, I, with fear and trembling, have tried to present this from a place of the what, what does thus saith the word of God. John says that we cannot add or take away from the book of Revelation. These words, he wrote, are what? Faithful and what? True. Where God speaks, we will speak. And where he is silent or holds it in mystery, we too will be silent and respect the mysteries of God. There are many, many things, listen to me, in Revelation and in other prophetic books of the Bible that we simply do not know. I do not know the entire detail of the 144,000 from the 12 tribes I don't know what they're for or where they're going or where they came from. And I will happily admit to you that that is a mystery that God is holding because anybody that tells you they know, run, 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 run. Because the scripture is un, it's holding it in mystery. We do not know. We can surmise, we can think, we can, but there are things, some shout things, that are just simply, we have to know God is holding them in mystery. Let me tell you what he is not holding in mystery. He's not holding in mystery the fact that he is one God and there is none beside him. He's not holding in mystery that you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. He's not holding in mystery that you need to live a holy and clean life. He's not holding in mystery the things that will get you to eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. He holds in mystery these things that maybe if he showed us, we would not even know what they were. So I'm sure that we would love to have all of the answers, but we simply do not. So let's admit it and let's stop making things up and acting like we know when we don't. Revelation is not confusing. I'm going to pause here for a second. Is everybody okay out there in Radio Land? Revelation is not confusing. Look at your neighbor and say, Revelation is not confusing. You say, Pastor, I read it and I'm very confused. <laughs> but God is not the author of confusion. And God is the author of revelation. So revelation cannot be confusion. Well, I need someone to say, man. Do you believe God's word? <laughs> Do you believe that God's not the author of confusion? I can't hear you. Do you believe God's not the author of confusion? So how do we get so confused in the book of Revelation? I'll tell you why. Because man has opinions and musings and theories that he places on those words and claims them to be doctrine. 
And we usually are too lazy to study to show ourselves approved, so we believe that doctrine when it's not from the Word of God. Someone say amen. amen. Pastor, why are you saying that? Because so many of you are filled with fear because of false doctrine. Mm. I, I hope that you hear me with your, with your heart, not just your mind and your ears, because I want God to reveal himself to you in a way that is not filtered through how you were raised, where you were born, hello somebody, but filtered only through the unadulterated word of the Lord Jesus Christ, for he was, he is, and is to come. He is the word of God. And it dwelt among us. Someone shout amen. amen. So I want you to understand that when we study Revelation, we study it from a point that there are basic understandings that are absolutes. You must be born again. We know that, right? I said we know that, right? We know that Acts 2.38 is alive and well. Someone shout amen. amen. We also need to understand there are things in Revelation that we cannot take away or add to. I just read it to you. So many, many things are revelable. So the confusion comes when God, no, the confusion doesn't come when God authors. There's no confusion in God. The confusion comes when man comes and brings theories to the scripture and claim them to be doctrine. They are dogma, not doctrine, because doctrine can only be created by God and him alone. God. Someone shout God. God. So we got to be careful with dogma. Dogma is man's attempt to translate what God is trying to say to us. That's why there are so many churches and so many views of so many things. Because man has his own opinion. And look, I have opinions. I'm not here to claim that I'm standing up here as this perfect angelic. Do you see my wings? Someone shout, no. Yeah, my wife will verify. That's why I turn towards her. She does not see my wings. My kids don't see me. Why? Because we're not angelic. We serve out of choice. We serve God out of our free will. Am I helping anybody today? Well, that was three of you. Well, I'm glad you three are here. Somebody online, say amen. So I'm here. So let's, let's keep going. So God is not the author of confusion, so we should not be involved with confusion. Pastor, how then do I study the word of God? Well, I've given you the last three Sundays, and you've got to go to the word study to show thyself approved. Study the whole Bible, not, not chapters and verses. Have you ever bought something from Ikea and tried to put it together from the middle page, right? Right? You just open it up and say, well, I'm going to start that process. And you figure out that if you do that process, then you glue all that and put it all together, that this won't fit on it now, and you've got to do it all over again. Sometimes we approach the Bible that way and God's Word. We've got to do it like God said. So let's listen to Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2, chapter 2 and verse 8. Someone say Amen. You know, I'm just going to preach. I, I, I feel the Holy Ghost telling me to, to, to forget the response because I'm just going to let the word of the Lord speak for itself. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify. The, the people in Thessalonians were having the same issue. Paul was warning them. You're having people among you that are taking the revelation of Jesus Christ and you're, they're twisting it to their own means. 
Listen to Paul carefully. Some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. So he's talking specifically about what we've been talking about. I want to clarify some things because there's confusion among you. Men have come amongst you and taught false doctrine. Listen to verse 2. Do not be so easily shaken and alarmed by those who in that day that, who say that the day of the Lord has what? Already begun. I want you to underline that if you're in the King James. It will speak a little differently, but it is the, the, it's absolute. So he's saying to them, I'm going to clarify something. There are people that are coming among you say that the day of the Lord has already begun. It's already, we've got all this day of the Lord coming. Look at all this stuff happening. And they misappropriate the events of what they were seeing as the day of the Lord. So we keep going. What does it say? He says, uh, listen, uh, it has not already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have a what? Spiritual vision. Or what? A revelation. Or what? A letter supposedly from us. He's warning us in the same fashion that Paul warned us earlier that says, if any other thing comes preaching a different gospel, if it's an angel, don't believe it. So he's being emphatic here again with the church in Thessalonica to tell them that Jesus has not become or not began to come. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and, someone shout and, this is a two-part prophecy, this is not a one-part prophecy. We know and see in the generations from Jesus to now that there has been people that have forsaken God at great, great numbers. But we see here that it's not just the falling away of the saints, but it is also Included that the man of lawlessness is revealed. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about the Antichrist. The one who brings destruction. It's one who brings destruction. And the Bible says in verse 4, he will what? Exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Paul instructs them, and he says in verse 5, Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? He says to them, I was with you. I knew in the spirit that these people was coming with false doctrine. I warned you that this was going to happen. I'm here to remind you again that that is false doctrine, and it's not of God. And don't believe them even if they claim they are spiritual visions and revelations and they have a letter supposedly from us, do not believe them. Do not be fooled. And then he says in verse 6, and you know what is holding him back. Ah, oh, this is good. For you know what is holding him back. Who do you think is holding back the Antichrist from operating freely on this planet? It's the church. Someone shout, it's the church. We find here that it is the Holy Spirit within us. It is the Holy Spirit that walks with us. You know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. Verse 7, for this lawlessness is already at work secretly. How many know that there's a lawlessness that's out there that is working behind the scenes of everything? And then he says, 
and it will remain secret until the one. So first he said, you know what? Everybody shout what? And now he's saying there's the one who is holding it back, steps out of the way. We find that that what is the church and the one is the Holy Spirit. We find that it is the Holy Spirit in us. Did you know there's a hope of glory inside of every one of you? Did you know that you are the church? That these four walls are not the church. We call it the church, but it's not the church. You are the church. And by the way, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Mm. I need someone to shout amen. So when you look and see this, that there is a lawless one, the son of perdition we later learn. We find that there's this one. There is a, a revelator that is standing before them that he cannot operate until the revelator, the Holy Spirit, is removed from this earth. So in this moment, we find that only when he steps back, when he is steps out of the way, I see that as the rapture, the revelation, God takes him with. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him. Oh, I love this right here. The Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and what? Destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Oh, someone needs to give God a praise that he's coming again. So these are the events of the end times. Someone shout amen. We can see here that we have scripture and understanding. The timing of these events may differ from person to person or study to study, but the truth of revelation will never change. I got a lot of you thinking. I got a lot of you. I'm so happy. I hope you go home and read your entire Bible 38 times because I'm trying to stir up you to good things. I'm trying to stir you to a place where mediocrity and lukewarmness leaves your body, your spirit, and your soul. Someone say amen. So these are the events of the end times in the scripture. The timing may differ from uh, of the events, but the events are not going to change. Revelation will not change. Someone say amen. So we find from Matthew 24, we studied about the signs of the times. Someone shout the signs of the times. We studied the signs of the times. We looked and see wars and rumors of wars. But the most important one was what? When all nations have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We then talked about the rapture and resurrection of the church. Someone shout the church. Look at your neighbor and say, this is talking about me. Yes, I'm going to be raptured when he steps to the balcony of heaven and he says with a shout, come on, <laughs> the dead in Christ shall what rise first and them that are what alive and remain shall what be caught up in the air to meet him and we shall what forever, someone shout forever, be with the Lord. So we have hope in this second coming. We call that the second coming of God coming for his church. Today, we're going to talk about the second coming of him coming with judgment. The first time he comes, it's with what? A shout. The second time he comes, it's with judgment because it culminates in the judgment seat of Christ. He comes with all of these things that we will have learned about in the tribulation. But most importantly, after the tribulation, this is where we find ourselves here that Jesus comes back. 
Some say at the, at the end of Armageddon. The scripture is not specific about that, but I believe that that to be true because he's coming to a war and we are coming back with him. Let's read Revelation 19 and 11. The Bible says, Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. Someone shout amen. And he who sat on him was called what? Faithful. Uh, how many are glad you serve a faithful God? His name was also what? True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dripped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I think somebody needs to shout, Jesus is God. And He is the Word. <laughs> Someone shout, Amen. And the Bible says in verse 14, this is where we come in, And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed Him on white horses. We come back with him at the moment of that battle as the army of God. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, talking about God, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has a robe, and on his right thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then John, he said, I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, All the birds that fly in the midst of the heaven come and gather together for the supper of the great God. And verse 18, that you may eat the flesh of the kings and the flesh of the captains and the flesh of the mighty men and the flesh of the horses and of those who sit on them and all the flesh, the flesh of all the people free and slave, both great and small. And I saw the beast, I saw the beast, he said, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse with his what? Uh, army, that's you. You and me <laughs> and the beast was what captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence and by whom he deceived those who received the what mark of the beast and those who what worshiped his image i'll repeat again it's not just about the mark it's about who you're worshiping it's about who you're going to lay your life down for somebody in this room needs to realize that technology is not going to take you to hell it's going to be who you're worshiping someone say amen and then the beast was captured. I love that. <laughs> and that the two were cast alive into the lake of the fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeds out of the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Revelation 19, 11 through 21, here in the New King James, provides a vivid, unbelievable description of Jesus Christ coming in the clouds of glory 
coming with his bride, coming with his army, coming with the people of God, and coming to this earth. The first time he comes for his church, the second time he comes to lay waste of the devil and all his imps and angels, the false prophet and the antichrist and all those kings that stood against him. But ladies and gentlemen, you and I are on white horses and we have a king that's in front of us and his word is what's going forth. It's his tongue. It's his word. It's his name. We're just there as support staff. We're there to worship him. We're there to glorify him. We're there to cry, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The one that will save us. That's why we're there. So the first time he comes for his church, the second time the church comes with him. And we are there to witness the great destruction of Satan and all of the satanic things that are on this earth. You ought to give God a praise for that. <laughs> so today... I'm going to be a little early probably, but I, I, I want you, uh, I, I don't want to get too far off in, in things until next week about other things, but I want you to understand in Revelation 19, 11, and 21, we find this, this description, and I want to just make sure you understand fully what this passage really is talking about. You're going to find that first of all, the heavens were opened, someone they were opened. <laughs> This passage begins the vision of the heavens opening. Uh, and in its opening, it reveals uh, a white horse. And in that color is often symbolized by purity and victory in the Bible. That word white horse, it is a, a symbol of things uh, that it is righteous and it's holy. Uh, it's coming down from heaven. We find that the scripture in verse 11 also calls the writer faithful and true. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ is coming again, that he's not faithful and true right now in your life, and I suggest to you that you find a place of prayer and trust in God, that he is faithful and just, that he is true to his word, that I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread, that if God said it, he's going to what? do it. And no matter what the enemy does to me, I'm in his hand. Oh, I wish somebody would shout hallelujah. I'm in the palm of his hand. And nobody, nothing, nothing, even if they might could have, the Bible says nothing can remove me from the hand of God. Only I can remove me from the hand of, only I can jump from his hand. Only I can remove him from my destiny. It's up to us to decide. We must be willing to recognize that no matter what I'm going through God's been faithful that no matter what I'm facing uh, he's the truth and the truth should be sold and, and, and should be bought and sold not it's in this that we find in verse 11 that Christ's actions are grounded in righteousness some might think wow that's a lot of death he does it in righteousness he has been given them all the people of the earth signs and wonders he has given them time and seasons he has given them all the things that he has given them he gave them a spotless lamb slain from the foundation of the world he gave them his only begotten son 
that they don't have to perish, but they can come to the truth of him and what he wants to do for them. But he is making war in righteousness. This is not an unjust God. This is a God of justice who is faithful and true. His eyes are like flames of fire. In other words, he is penetrating in his insight. You're not going to hide from God. And his judgment is yea and amen. His crown signifies the fact that he is king of kings because he has a name on his thigh. It states it, king of kings. But he doesn't have a name on his thigh. He has crowns, not one crown. It suggests many, many crowns upon his head to suggest I am the ruler of the air. I am the ruler of the sea. I am the God of all things. I am the God of the universe. I am the God of the Milky Way. I am the God of Mars and Jupiter. And I am the God of the things you cannot see. I am the king of the universe. And I am your savior. I am your savior. Mm. He has authority over cancer. He has authority over depression. He has authority over issues in our life. He has authority all over disease. He has authority over the things that mm, does so easily beset us. He has authority over sin. He has authority over sin. He has authority over sin. And if you will put your life in his hand and obey his word, he'll take that sin from you and he'll throw it as far as the east is from the west and you will be a sinless individual. Not by your works, no, no, but by his work on Calvary. He loves you. He cares for you. All that I'm reading about and talking talking to you about is something that has been prepared for those that do not believe but those that do believe you will be with him on a white horse (laughs) you will have been resurrected unto newness of life immortality (laughs) your mortal body has put on immortality and you are are no longer you you are changed you are transformed into the spirit of God you are the one that God came for Uh, somebody needs to give the Lord a hand clap of praise today Woo! I love this part because it's so mysterious because there's a name written. Please don't tell me what it is because you don't know. There's a name that is written that no one has ever known or ever knew. Only him that is holy knew what that name is. He is clothed in a robe dipped with blood. Calvary is still a part of this process. He's telling you that I have been sacrificial in my death on the cross. That I didn't come by this quickly and just easily. I didn't shake my fingers and say, I'm God, I can do it. No, I wrapped myself in swaddling clothes. I laid myself in a manger. I fed the world with my words. I died on Calvary. I was smitten. I was despised. I was looked upon as something that was vile and terrible. But there was a a, a part that said that with my stripes you are healed. And with mm, 
and with my bruises, your internal body, your internal spirit and soul are healed. And with those things, you have to understand also, he didn't stay in the grave, Brother Todd. He rose again on the third day. He rose to power and might. He walked among them. He walked among them. And on that day, it came and the angels stood beside and he was transformed to heaven. His ascension was glorious and great and the angel stood there and said why are you standing here gazing? You need to go live out what he's taught you. You need to go do. Go make disciples. Go love. Someone say amen. We find that in verse 13, the name, the word of God identifies Jesus as this writer, the living word. We find in verse 14 that the armies in heaven are those that are with us, that are clothed in white linen. We are now pure, free from sin. We too are not just the only one. Jesus was clothed in white linen, but so are we. Our horses are white like his because we have been purified by his name and by his blood. We find that the armies in heaven come back with him and we accompany Jesus to defeat Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet. We are there when he is bound up, Satan, and thrown into the pit. We are there to witness all of these things. The, the dead in Christ are with us as well. We are alive and remain are with them as well. All those that are under the banner and the blood of Jesus Christ have been resurrected and are now with God. They are with Christ and they are come and they will, someone shout will, have the victory over death and sin one final time. Someone shout amen. amen. The Bible says that he will rule them with, with a rod of iron. In other words, with those that remain, he will be firm and just. He will not be weak. He will not be something that is a, a reed shaking in the wind. No, no, he will be firm and just and righteous and holy. We find in verse 15 that he himself, Jesus himself, comes and treads the winepress. That phraseology is very familiar to the Jewish people, not so much to a modern day Christian, but it means that he will tread on the, he will smash the grapes. It will be ugly. It will be violent. It will be something that you will not want to look upon, but it speaks of the divine wrath of judgment from God. It speaks of this last time that we are hearing and seeing him produce this wrath. Listen to me carefully. God's wrath, someone shout God's wrath, God's wrath. is not tribulation. <laughs> you didn't say that very confidently. <laughs> you didn't say that confidently, right? Someone say amen. amen. Listen to me carefully. I want to help you with something. Tribulation is brought by Satan upon the church. We're in tribulation right now. Can I get an amen? You say, what do you mean, pastor? Well, are there Christians being persecuted all over this planet right now? Are there people dying for the name of Jesus this very day? I can't hear you. Was that brought by God? That was brought by who? Satan, the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, right? So let's not confuse the tribulation or tribulations that we have on a daily basis. We are few days and what? full of trouble God has given us his grace so that we might endure to the end 
the same shall be saved. So when we look at this, we must see that there is the wrath brought on by satanic forces, and then there is the wrath of God. They're very, very different things. So when you find writers talking or other ministries talking about the tribulation or tribulations, be very careful to listen for what they're actually speaking about. Because too many of us confuse the wrath of God and tribulation. It will be in the great tribulation that the wrath of God is poured. You hear me? So we have, we have tribulation today. Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness that somebody's giving you some pain and suffering about your witness? Someone say amen. So the scripture bears this out unequivocally through First and Second Thessalonians. You can, I don't have time today here in Revelation that you will find that wrath is of God. It's a specific word that is used to explain that this is not from Satan. This is from God. God is now pulled the church out of this earth, his spirit. And he has released Satan. And in that release, he also releases his wrath, which culminates in us coming back with him to set up his new millennial kingdom where we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. But I'm not even excited about that. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? I'm excited about when he finally says, okay, it's time. That thousand years is over. Uh, and guess what? Uh, there's going to be a resurrection at that moment of all the dead that ever lived. Those that are without Christ have not proclaimed Christ or accepted Christ. They will be resurrected at that moment at the very end of times. And at that moment, they will stand. You and I will not stand before the judgment seat of Christ if we are part of the body of Christ. Because we have already been judged in our resurrection. You would not be resurrected if you had not passed the test. So we will be again with him. We will witness it. But we will not be the ones being judged. He will judge those that are there. Hell will be officially opened. Read the passage. Read the scripture. Hell will be opened in the great pit, and he will separate, and he will then cast them into the pit, and there will be a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, a new earth, and we will be with him forever and ever and ever and we will be with the saints of God around the throne of God and look at Revelation 7 when he says and there's from every nation every kindred every kind and every tongue and they sang a new song and they spoke and the angels cried and we cried holy 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 the angels of heaven step to the banner of heaven as I imagine and they declare it is finished like Christ on the cross they say it is done it is over all of the suffering all of the trials and tribulation all of the destruction all of the tribulation all of those things will be completed and you and I will be with Jesus forever Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. Amen. 
Someone shout amen. amen. This is my, my fourth message on this. I want you to listen very carefully what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 3 and 13. He says, So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming. He's talking about Jesus. So he, Jesus, may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God our Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, read the rest of it, with all his saints. Paul affirms the fact that we will be with Jesus. In Jude verse 14, it says, Now Enoch the seventh, the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. That's you and me. And listen to what he says. To execute judgment on all. To convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. We will be with him. We will be his army. We are the witnesses and his saints. We will be caught up to meet him in the air. For us, his coming for us in the resurrection and the rapture, when he shouts from heaven and we are changed, he's coming for us. He's coming for us. He's coming for you. That is the second coming of Christ for the saints of God. Hear me. Hear me. That is the second coming for the saints of God. Pastor, what happens to everybody else? They have a different path based on the scriptures. The dead will not be raised until the final judgment seat of Christ. They will all be resurrected to come and face him. So those that are dead will remain in a place of deadness. They will remain in a place of sleep. The Bible tells us that we will be asleep in Jesus. <laughs> to be absent is to be present. In my study over the last couple of weeks, I have found this to be so poignant that his presence is where I will reside. And where his presence is, there's fullness of joy. And where his presence is, I don't know all the details. There is a mystery here about where I will go, but I do know it'll be in his presence. I can speak with authority that says it will be in his presence. I can tell you with an assurance that I may be asleep, but I'm asleep in Jesus. I'm not a part of this world. I'm a stranger just passing through. So the direction and the path of those that are with Christ are very different from those that are without. His coming for us, the church, will be with a shout, the voice of God, the archangel, and he will, he will change us and we will be like him. Here in Revelation 19, he is coming to judge the nations. He is coming with us as his army, with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all. Here we learn that I want to go the first time he shouts. 
I had a man of God ask me a question. Pastor, why do you think that we are so fearful of these things? Do you th- why is it that we're so fearful? We were talking about the, the uh, different things that happened during the tribulation, about how, like the mark of the beast, that it's, it, it happens way off in the tribulation, that we, so we worry about it today, but it isn't relevant to our salvation. We worry about things that are unimportant. If you're worrying about the mark of the beast, it's like me worrying if I'm going to be able to fly a jet fighter today. I'm not trained. I'm not, it's not in my sphere. I'm not around them. It's not part of my life. So why would I fear not being able to fly a fighter jet today? But there are those of us that fear flying a fighter jet because it just seems fearful. When in fact, it's not a part of your life or your circle or your eternity or anything to do. And I want to emphasize this because so many of us serve God and we want to feel this peace, but we don't because there's a torment from Satan. Do you know Satan doesn't want you to believe what I'm preaching today? Did you know there's voices? I, I told my elders today to pray for me because in these four messages, I have fought things that I, mm, I did not plan for, Brother Stefan. I, 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 I didn't realize how hard the enemy was causing confusion and the ears of people to be closed or stuffed with filters that they had already heard. And, and I, 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 I asked God this week to help me be your pastor and to speak truth with love. And I will continue to do that. I'm not here to argue about timing. I will argue wholeheartedly with the fact that you cannot change or add to that prophecy and be saved. That there is an absolute in the scriptures. There's an absolute that he died and rose again and we get to have newness of life. There is a truth that Jesus is coming again. So the first time, I don't want there to be confusion because the enemy loves confusion. The first time he shouts at us and says, come up higher. We meet him, the dead in Christ. They rise first and then we meet them in the sky. We know that because the scripture and First Thessalonians states that emphatically, Paul writes. We find that in the second in revelation, we find even from Jude here, we find in First Thessalonians 3, we find in Second Thessalonians, we find throughout the scriptures that when he comes again, he's coming to ultimately judge the nations with his army. Pastor, what do I need to do? You need to stop worrying about things that are not going to affect you and start worrying about the things that will. There's a spirit that's attached to prophetic things, prophecy, and they can be so powerful and yet so misused. We see this in the scriptures where Simon the sorcerer tries to harness God's word for his own gain. And there are those that love to scare you in order for you to Feel, But I'm going to tell you something. If I can scare you into the altar, somebody else can scare you out of the altar. I don't serve Jesus just to miss hell. And although that's a really good reason. I serve Jesus because I love him. Because he gave his life. He has reckless love for me. 
I don't deserve it. But yet he still gave his life for me. I plead with you before God. Those of you who are online, but especially those in this room, I plead with you before God. There is coming a day where his mercies will not endure. Where his grace will be completed and done. There's coming an hour where there'll be no excuse because he has provided you every way of escape, but you have refused it. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, next week. Pastor, uh, boy, it's really a good sermon. Boy, that's really convicting. I, I'm going to get my life ready. And God is coming to your heart. He's knocking on your door. He's been giving you dreams. Don't ignore them. We are living in the last of the last days. And I would remind you that the signs of the times are before us. And all things, all things, some shout all things have been completed for him to come. The nations have heard the gospel. He's waiting on us. Nothing is holding him back. And the first thing that happens is that I am resurrected from the grave or I am taken in the rapture to meet them in the sky. The catching away of the saints. Some people have a problem with the word rapture, but it's, a, it's a, an understanding that we commonly know. So today, I want to just plead with you. Have you taken heed of your life? Are you watching every day? And are you praying that God would direct your steps, lead your life? Have you surrendered your life wholly and totally to Jesus Christ? Pastor, I, I don't know if I can, boy, that's a lie. Boy, I got to be perfect. No, 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 no. Can anybody in this room raise your hand if you're just a sinner? Come on now. Well, I hope all of you would raise your hand, right? Yeah. <laughs> because all have sinned and come what? Short of the glory of God. But raise your hand if you've also been rescued by his mercy. <laughs> Can you raise your hand if you live in his grace? Can you raise your hand if you can say, I've been delivered. <laughs> Sin no longer has power over me. Not by my works. Not by my good things, my good deeds, my righteousness, but by the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. He's beckoning you today. He's saying, come. Have you been baptized in a commandment? Have you followed in the footsteps of Jesus when he walked down those steps? By the way, Carl mentioned to me, we were talking about, and walked 50 miles in the desert to find John the Baptist to baptize him. I got a lot to say about this baptism, but I can't have time to say it today. God comes up, this is my son in whom I well please. Jesus had to be baptized. He could not have been our, our high priest if he had not been baptized because the high priest had to go be baptized and be cleansed. And the Bible says he is my high priest. <laughs> uh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. But he's beckoning some of you. He's beckoning all of you. Some of you are in Laodicea and you've gone, you've gone tired, you've grown weary, and it's expected the hour is tiring and there's so much against us. And, but it's not time for lukewarmness. 
He said, I'd rather you be just stone cold than lukewarm, kind of playing with Jesus. I'll serve you on Monday, but not on Thursdays. He says, no, no, I'm going to come and remove your candlestick. Pastor, you're being so serious. Yes, I am, because this is a serious, serious, serious matter. Are you ready? Here's the good news. You can get ready today. It's free of charge. It only costs you what? That you lay down your life and say, not my will, but thy will. It's not something that you will say, oh, this is terrible. No, you will say, oh, thank God for his grace and his mercy because now I have a conscience that's clear. Now I have peace that goes beyond understanding. Now I have joy in the Holy Ghost. Now I have power over Satan. Now I have victory over all things, not in myself, but in Christ. So today, stand with me if you will. Thank you for for allowing me to speak God's word and my heart today. I'm calling to you today. This altar is open. There's something about an altar that you can do this in your chair and if you want to do that, that's fine as well. But there's something about you taking a step towards God and saying, okay, God, I don't care what all these people think about me. (laughs) I'm not going to let my pride get in the way of my blessing. And I'm going to follow after you. But it's not just about today. It's about tomorrow. It's about surrendering, not just in the emotion of the moment, but in the cognizance of understanding that says, Sister Brandy, I'm going to serve God no matter what happens, what comes or goes. I'm going to worship him and praise him. So I say to you, come. Come, all ye that are laden and your burden is so heavy. Jesus said, come on, trade me today. You need to be filled with his spirit. You need to understand speaking with other tongues and how God will fill you and use that as a great, amazing thing in your life. But start with repentance and then be baptized We can arrange that. Let God sit on the throne of your heart. Can we pray together? Jesus. Can the saints of God pray with me right now? Can you speak the name of Jesus right now? I need some saints to pull with me right now. I need some saints to come with me right now. I need the children of God to rise up. I speak against the enemy's voice in your ear that says you're not worthy. I speak against by the blood in the name of Jesus that you are not going to make it. You will overcome. By the blood in the name of Jesus, you will be an overcomer in Christ Jesus. In the name that's above every name, I bind every unclean spirit that would come against this congregation and those online, not by my name, but by the name and the power of Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
His blood, let it be shed afresh and new in the life of every soul that hears this message. I lose the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit by the blood in the name of Jesus. I need some saints of God to push. Come on, let the Holy Ghost minister right now. Come on, don't get lazy. Come on, dinner will wait. Come on. Come to God's house. Come to church. Let your mind be in Christ. Let there be a spirit that says, I must be saved. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is power. Break, break every chain. Oh, break every Come on, that's it. Let the Holy Ghost minister today. Come on, yes. Come on, all over the house. Come on, come to pray today. Come on, all over this house. Come on, saints of God. Come on, fill this altar. Come on, saints. Come on, saints of God. Fill this altar today. Fill. Come on, come on. Come, come on. Yeah, that's right. Come on, I'm talking to you. Saints of God, come on, move. Move towards God's altar today. Come on, that's right. Come on. All over this house. Come on, make a difference. Yeah, yeah. I'm asking right now, by the blood in the name of Jesus, that you quit living in doubt and fear that you live in the power and the gift of the Holy Ghost today. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Break every chain. Break every chain. Come on, let the Holy Ghost walk and move and touch. Come on, that's it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. There's an army